us down to the last comic shop in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, hey, it is now time for more of the last comic shop podcast. That's right. We are opening the shop up to newbies to help them find their way underneath this giant comic book tent and maybe hear something from some creators. That's right. In fact, we're keeping the shop open today so some creators can stop by, one in particular, and regale us of all the tales of, of books past and present. Like a like a great hobo spiritual. <laughs> or uh, That's coming back in hardcover format. That's right. Editions. We are looking forward to that. That's right. We are talking to Kyle Starks. Yes. Author of Rock Candy Mountain, which we covered on a previous episode of Last Comic Shock. Make sure you check out our archives for that episode, uh, as well as uh, some awesome books like Peacemaker and I Hate This Place, uh, all of which we're going to talk to in just a moment. So let's go ahead and get Kyle Starks on the phone now. This is our phone music. It's the same music as we had last year. We can't afford other phone music because there's only some music that you can get in the world. You're it's not like I don't doodly do, doodly do. Yeah, I, no, I don't have a doodle. It's like a boot, 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 and there's like a boot. It's like it's a thing. Why don't you just have a phone ringing? Ring, ring, ring. Hello. Hello. Ahoy, ahoy. All right, we are here with Kyle Starks! Yay! Welcome to the Last Comic Shop Podcast, Kyle! I'm going to have to bring my energy up. I'm excited <laughs> to be here. <laughs> That's what I said! I always give people that, uh, that Kermit the Frog Muppet treatment when they first show up and make sure that they feel really either comfortable or... We're really uncomfortable, regardless, it makes for a good interview. Yeah, I love it. I felt like some pyro should have gone off. My entrance music should have came on. <laughs> Take somebody's sign out of the, out of the crowd. Just start very ripping similar it to John Cena. He's got his variation on the British plane. I'm putting signs in the crowd. That's my... <laughs> <laughs> this guy rocks. Well, thank you so much for being on The Last Comic Shop this week. As we always like to do uh, when we talk to creators... Kyle, if you were a comic book fan, which I'm guessing you were because you make awesome comic books, do you remember what the first comic book you ever got was? I was always reading comics, and I'm not for sure how that started. My uncle's name is Tony Starks, <laughs> and so I think he's the reason because like my parents, I never saw them read anything my entire life. So I, I don't know. I guess he must have got it started because we had pull lists like our whole lives, but I, I don't know what the impetus was. But the first comic I clearly remember... Uh, I had to look it up because I'm not cool enough to know the exact numbers, but it's Avengers number 233, which has this great, like, there's half a force field, and the the Avengers are just banging on it with stuff. It's a two-parter, and I can tell you, I have never read the second part of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it might have been, a, like, a FF, like, crossover. Okay. I've never read the other part. I never want to. I, oh, never, I, don't, yeah. I never want to know. Why would you want to at this point? It is like some sort of uncharted country. It'll just ruin it. I like I like having just like that. I, there's one curiosity to it, but we had so many comics. I mean, we were comicked out, and I I joke all the time. Like I had like the most vanilla comic selection. I mean, I'm forty. I'm forty. I'm gonna be forty-seven in two months. So we're talking, you know, forty years ago, right? Yeah. And it was Spider-Man, Hulk, X-Men, and Justice League. I mean, like those were like the four primaries I had, and it was Justice League Detroit. Oh, it was Hulk when he was in like that weird dimension, like we're like oh. each each issue was like um 
like a sci-fi horror of the month. Like not really something that, you know, like a seven-year-old kid would be like, this is awesome. He's not fighting, you know, Rhino. And uh, Spider-Man was when, like, he was beating, like, Fire Lord. Like, nothing's going... You know what I mean? It's, just, it's like, the weirdest phases for all these sort of, like... But I I think that's partly why, like, like why I sort of always am drawn to sort of, like, minor characters, too. Because I'm like, Justice League Detroit was the best one. And it's like, <laughs> what happened to those guys? Nothing. You know what I mean? They're, they're fine. <laughs> it's, like, not awful. <laughs> Wait, I love that issue it's where Spider-Man beats up Fire Lord. That's the best! If you stuck with the Pretty Avengers four issues later, they're on Letterman. Yeah! I remember being heavy on West Coast. Those are my guys. They're still kind of my guys. Well, they all had, they were such snappy dressers. I mean, come on. Hank Pym walked around in a safari jacket. Wonder Woman walked around Wonder in Man. a safari jacket. Yeah, Hank, Hank, Hank wore a, a whole suit of pockets. That's my favorite Hank Pym. Yeah. <laughs> Where's Marvel at? Marvel. Let me write jumpsuit and Hank Pym. I, I call that science adventure, science adventure Hank Pym. He was going to kill himself. Right. No, I remember he that. Shoot yeah. himself dead because he sucks so bad. And, um, <laughs> the lady, the 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 fire firebird, firebird showed up like an angel, and was like, "Hank, don't do it. We need you." And he's like, "You know what I'll do? I'll get a jumpsuit." <laughs> I love I'll it. Get lots of pockets. It. It'll keep I'll all my sadness in them. Full of I'll little just... things like Legos, like little Lego toys I can pull out. And then there's an issue like. Three issues later, where he beats all of them with stuff he has in his pockets. I love that. Sign me yeah. up for that. That's the stories I want. Seven days ago, I was going to kill myself. Today, I'm here just to wreck everybody. <laughs> my suit of pockets. He made a robot car with an AI. He made a new AI. And people were like, whoa, dude, should you be messing with AI? You know what happened the last time? And he's like, he's like, no, listen, this one's dumb as hell. <laughs> he literally, the AI he uses, the AI he uses is the the mental recordings of his favorite aunt. <laughs> I love this guy. That's like, that's my guy. You should write Hank Pym. This would be like Kyle Starks, Hank Pym, twenty twenty four. Just get him on a team. I would love, I would love to do it. They would never let me do it the way I want. I would want one. I think Hank Pym is like one of the horniest guys in the Marvel. He's always looking. I think so. There'd be like a whole like him going on dating apps with other superheroes and <laughs> be like challenge with the unknown. But each would be like a failed date. Each one would open. I mean, I shouldn't say stuff. Marvel, call me. Hank Pym, call me. <laughs> yeah, save, save it for when you're getting paid for it. I think he's dead. I think he's dead, though, right? Or he's in space. He is. Or, or he's like half Ultron now. Half like Ultron. screwed them all up. They were I like. Could I, could, I could fix it. I could fix it. Yeah. You should. I'd be let back me, already. <laughs> give me, let me do my Matt Fraction Hawkeye Hank Pym science adventure. What everyone's been craving. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like those guys are very similar to the type of guys I like. It's like they're not perfect. They're flawed and they're kind of. They're kind of overcoming themselves. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, D-Man's a perfect, like, I'm I'm tied to D-Man in many ways. I did D-Dog sort of because of, one, I love D-Man, but also I love dogs. And I just did a, like, you know, like Quasar. Like, I do, I'd like to do Quasar. And I don't want to do space opera. You just do him, he's kind of a himbo, I think. You know what I mean? Like, he's just, <laughs> he's out there flying around. People are like, hey, man, what do you, he's like, I don't know. What do you think? You know, what should we do? You tell me. Because right. I think you look at those guys and, and you go, Nomad, like, I love Nomad. Nomad's such with a the baby dick. with the dude. That's my fit. That's my Nomad ninety two. <laughs> he has a baby and a shotgun. That's his whole spiel. And I'm gonna tell you this: if you haven't read Nomad, <laughs> we're so off the track. If you haven't read that Nomad miniseries, I think in issue one he chugs a two liter of Mountain Dew. I'm not making this up. Those are the guys I want to play with. I, like, you know, they just did like X Men ninety six or whatever. Like, can I do Nomad ninety two again? Nobody wants that. Like, 
<laughs> Nobody. You, you're making me want it. You're I making know, me want good. all Listen, this stuff. I want a Hank Pym series. You know. I want a Nomad series. Well, no, I, so I'm curious. Outside of your your comic influences, how did you develop your humor? What what shaped you to be whatever the heck happened? Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, man. That's a tough one to answer. I mean, I just consumed a lot. You know. My first job was working at a place that was a comic shop and a video rental shop and had used music and used books and baseball cards and pornography. And um, <laughs> you have to say it like that. You have to say it like that because no one, you couldn't talk about it. And um, you didn't have like the big screen, like you couldn't, you had no, to go in the back. No, no, there's no. just a binder. There's just a, a, bind, a stack of binders. The binder of shame. Books. Yeah. And you'd have to make sure kids weren't, hey, get away from that. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. There's no good answer. Like, why? How are we the way that we are? Like, I can tell you, I've always been this way. Unfortunately, um, like a little jester ringing his bells and look at me, king, sir. There you uh, go. You're a cartoonist. What what got yeah. you into that? Into well, I mean, so I was the art kid in high school. I was. I fell in love with comics and. When I was a teenager, I would you I would do what everyone did and attempt to draw comics every now and then, but I never really finished one. And when I graduated high school, it was ninety five, and comics were bad then. Like they were very dark, they weren't fun. There was a couple things out there. JLI, Buziak was doing fun stuff still, but I felt like, like they weren't fun, and it's like it just wasn't an enjoyable hobby for me to be a part of anymore. When it's just like everything's so dark and overly serious, and not even in an entertaining way. And so I got out of it. I went to college to be a fine artist. I was going to be a painter. That was never going to happen. Um, <laughs> and uh, I ended up taking writing classes too and was pretty good at that. I didn't know that. But I'd been reading all these books and I've been watching all these movies. I've been reading all these comics all my life. And uh, one of my friends is, has his doctorate in poetry, which is useless. Um, <laughs> and he said he asked his professor or his mentor, it's different when you get a doctorate. I don't know because I don't have a doctorate. But whoever the guy above him was who was supposed to direct him on how to be the doctor of poetry. And he's like, how can I be better? And he's like, read all the poetry you can. Read the good poetry, read the bad poetry. And certainly I did that because if you can watch a free movie and you're 16, get seven movies like you have nothing else to do (laughs) besides just watch a billion movies. And, you know, we read every comic, like almost every comic we read Tuesday nights when you're bagging. It was just like I've consumed so much stuff. No, I I can dig that. And the the one thing I appreciate about your work, whether it was where I know Andy and Jay and I first discovered you on Rock Candy Mountain, it, it really felt like. You get into the culture. You get into the world of whatever it is you're into. So, like, Rock Candy Mountain was, like, trains and hobos and, and all that stuff. And then you get to things like, you know, I hate this place. And there's farm life. But like, all of your stories are very either either hyper-researched or just well-lived in. You know, I think there's a couple things that, one, you know, is that I'm always trying to make the thing that I wish existed in many ways. If I was going to do a hobo book, it once I want to do a hobo book. And I don't want to do a gag hobo book because that's it's not funny. First of all, like, hey, they got beans in a bender. Right. Wow, wow, wow! It's, like, it's not funny. Um, also, like most of those guys were like vets, like they're heroes. Like that's messed up to make fun of that. Um, but that was also like I don't like period pieces. So before okay. Rocky Mountain, it had to be a period piece. Um, and I just I for, I don't remember why I was I was reading about hobos. I have no recollection why. And there's only like six hobo books. That's not a joke. There's only six. There's five originals, and then there's a vil- a million that have like. And uh, I was also watching Wuxia films, which is a very specific type of like Asian Kung Fu storytelling. Okay. And I just like, for some reason it was kismet. I was like, you know how the way that you would do an American Wuxia film is with hobos. And uh, I was doing this research and I thought it was, I thought the research at the time was really fascinating. But if you talk about like something like I hate this place or even where monsters lie, even assassination, 
I really like tropes and I really like archetypes. There's a familiarity in those. So, you know, for I hate this place, for them to go, it's a haunted ranch. You go, okay. And you go, but listen, there's also like a hitman who wants to kill everyone. You're like, okay, I know that. Like where monsters lie is very clear archetype. And it's like, oh, that's the Jason character. It's like, well, yeah, it's also it's also the Michael Myers character. You know what I mean? It's like there's a million of that character, but I just want you to go, oh, I he's the he's the tough thing you can't kill. That's the dummy, the doll, the ventriloquist dummy. You know what I mean? So yeah, there's you a know standard. automatically. Yeah. So I love tropes. I really love tropes just because they you automatically can can sort of relate and sympathize. And because of that, you bring your own sort of baggage into that story about what how you sort of feel about that type of character or that type of situation. And well, certainly that is, I mean, where monsters lie, it's like, what would happen if Texas chainsaw fought <laughs> Michael Myers? That'd be fun. It's not that I want to play with those characters. It's that I, I want to tell a character with those, I want to tell a story with those tropes. So I think there's a tropes are very powerful, but for, for rock candy mountain, which is probably the most researched book I did. Okay. Cause that's, I felt like I was learning stuff. Their jargon, uh, their signs. It was a yeah. lot of, yeah. yes, it was a lot of research, yeah. but I was reading this hobo book. Why? I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we're talking about Rock Candy Mountain because again, it was the first thing that brought me to your work. And we're uh, getting a reissue. I, I, I heard oh, that, which is awesome because May like, of next year, I think, I think that it's, it's time. Like as we get into later in the show, people know, are gonna know and love you from your Peacemaker series, from your other works, and and it's about time people embrace this. Because I honestly, I mean, I saw it on the rack. It was on. It was in a comic book shop in South Carolina in 2018, and it said like these are comics you should check out. And it was like Rock Candy Mountain. I'm like, I love that song, and that yeah, art looks awesome. And you know what it reminded me of initially. It reminded me a lot of E.C. Seeger's Popeye. That's what I felt when I looked at your artwork, when I then paged through it, and I saw this guy, and he could win any fight as long as he was fighting one guy. I was just like, and he was going on a quest. I'm like, this is all that E.C. Seeger comic, Popeye comic strips. There. So I was wondering, real quickly, did you ever read that stuff or, 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 or were familiar? Popeye? With for daily stuff? For, like, strip stuff? Yeah. That had, I think maybe I read, like, um, I think Ali, I read some Ali Oop. I think I've read some Ali. That's Oop. another one. So uh, you know, like it's ancient. funny you say that because I can I can 100 see that because there's sort of like a cartoonish. But to me, I was like, oh, I'm doing like hobo preacher. That's what I felt like I was doing, where <laughs> it's this group of characters sort of moving from one ridiculous situation to the next one, going towards sort of like this final destination where they'll either win or lose tragically, like one way or the other. So it's funny, like I can see that though. I get like. But that's the thing, like a lot of folks can just easily like dismiss a lot of those old comic strips as just being cartoony. But like there was like a mix of action, adventure, comedy, horror, all these aspects like wrapped up all in the same strip. And so you'd be reading it. My favorite part of that, the first trade uh, for those folks to get have to get the two trades before the collected. The first is, is like the kind of the hot gate scene. Where like everybody has to come into the jail cell because that's Damn. the only way he's going to be able to beat all these people one by one by one by one. And I just thought that's that smart. was brilliant. Giving him that sort of limitation. Yeah, the that's the old boy scene, and that's what I think. <laughs> I think of old boy, the hallway fight. He he sells his soul so that he won't die in the war, and that's the the deal. It's like he, no one you, no one man can can defeat him. But in the war, you're not fighting one man. So he, there's a point where he sort of talks about briefly how he had to figure out how to fight in a war one person at a time and so he convinced he convinced him to sort of make him like a assassin right 
Like if I can just kind of sneak around, <laughs> like I, I don't want to go out there with, with 45 guys with guns. That won't work great for me. But I, I did want to ask, too, that was a book that you wrote and drew yourself. You did all your own cartooning yeah. there. And today, like, and I hate this place, you have your one page in the back. But I'm wondering for you <laughs> as a creator, what are the trade-offs about being able to get art from folks like Steve Pugh? Or, okay. <laughs> no, I, and I'll, I'll tell you, the guys I worked with this year, it's like unbelievable. Uh, Steve Pugh, uh, I think Peter Kowalski is perfect for Where Monsters Lie. Uh, Fernando Passerin, who did my Wild Dog stories, I just started going. He's unbelievable. Um, the book that we're pushing this week, uh, Pine and Merrimack from Boom. Uh, Fran Glan, I think, is next. Like, was, I want to work with all these guys again, but I'm 100% working with Steve again. Um, anytime you need a dog, Steve Pugh. Man, draws I draws the best the, dogs in the business. Steve, Steve and Fernando, and I, I know I'm tangenting, but Fernando, uh, if you guys haven't seen that Wild Dog, like, F- Fernando Passeron did Flash. His, his, it's effortlessly real looking. And the thing is, with both of those guys, it looks like a superhero comic. So the the dialogue bits, the like my jokes, which to me are they're just character, their flavor. They don't. It doesn't feel like a gag. It, it's so like they're they're funnier because of that. And so like those guys get it. And Steve gets like oh like here though you can ham it up just just a little bit. But the fact that they look so good and they, their storytelling so strong, many biggest differences. One of these like those guys are better artists than me. Like in my art. I'd say I'm an extremely competent storyteller, but I don't know how visually interesting it is um, when things don't quite look like what they're supposed to. Certainly the direct market does not want – if the direct market doesn't want Erica Henderson and Joe Quinones, like they don't want me, right? It's complicated because I hate collaboration, and I hate collaboration <laughs> because I came in. I did I did, uh, I did did a book called Legend of Ricky Thunder, which was a wrestling comic that I self-published. I did Sex Castle, which was nominated for an Eisner. I did Rock Candy Mountain. Were you solo then, on Trevor Keaton? Trigger Keaton was Chris Schweitzer. Oh, yeah. He drew that. He drew my Mars attack. And he yeah, drew yeah. Chris Schweitzer is like the better version of, of me. And he's <laughs> he's so good. And like no one knows. You know, it's like a shame because he's so good. He's And he's my best friend. Um, and he colored everything I've done. That He colored Rock Candy Mountain. He colored Old Head. I'm forgetting a book that we did. And I love it. But those are also, outside of Rock Candy Mountain, they're OGNs. And so the thing I like about that is that I just made them. I made them and then saw if someone wanted them. You know what I mean? I did a Kickstarter. There's no editor. There's no page count. There's me getting to tell the, the exact story I want to tell in the time it takes to tell. I will do more panels of my work on a page. I'll do an eight-panel page every page. I don't care. But I, I hesitate to ask someone who is whose job is to make my vision come to life to make them work really, really hard. So I, I almost never do more than six panels for, for books that I don't draw, which changes how I can tell a story. It's uh. less in many ways right so there's pros and cons but the, the the pro is i look at peacemaker you know what i mean like it's unbelievable it's so much better oh yeah and so the, i can make more work like i said i'm 47 man and i'm not young and i want to tell the stories i want to tell especially right now while the iron's hot people want to make my stories and people want to consume my stories so there's a real benefit and as i said i've been extremely lucky with who i've been working with that they've all been very capable very very good collaborators because I'm type A. Uh, Where Monsters Lie got turned down by two publishers. <laughs> like two publishers are like, no, we don't want it. And and I was like, well, I'm going to offer it one more place. And if they don't want it, I'll just make it myself. That is a rare privilege. And I'm, it's better because Peter did it. It's a thousand times better because of Halsey did it because he's so good. And that's really important. Um, all these guys were really clear storytellers. Like I don't have to go, dude, no one knows what happened between these panels. Like I wrote what happened and you drew like a 
guy eating a hot dog. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> you never give them back this beautiful page. You'd be like, yeah, but you missed the gag here. Um, <laughs> you know like, what? I'll, t- I'll tell you, in my career, I say this. Only one time, and it was pretty early on, and it was on, at the time, a very popular licensed book I did for many, many years, did I go, what is, what is this? Didn't even draw the thing. And I remember that artist who was very briefly in comics was like, but it takes so long. It's like, well, you're not getting paid by the hour. You're paid by the correct page, um, which is shitty, but true. It's true, though. I mean, that's the job. Like, Anyway. Collab- I'm really coming around on collaboration. I've now reached a point where I really, I've really embraced artists having some leeway as long as it doesn't affect the story. So character design, because they're going to have it they, if they're good. If they're good, they see a better version of me. You know what I mean? <laughs> and they're able to do. They're just able to do things I can't do, and it makes it makes the story stronger. And that's what a good collaboration in comics is. And it took me a while to to get there. Now I'm just trying to like get used to editors and not like, I still hate them. That, but. Yeah. That was going to be my question. I think that <laughs> do I hate editors. Ties, no, that ties right nicely into peacemaker tries hard. Yeah. I love those editors actually. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, you've been talking about how you're getting used to collaboration now and working right. with artists and everything. How different is it to work on something like peacemaker tries hard where you have to deal with DC and, and, and the and editors and then sort yeah. of, it's got to fit. Yes, it was black label, but it, it still has label. to sort of fit into their idea yeah. of what the character is, and they've got this show out. So moving there's parts that you have no control over. There's a, well, there's a big asterisk because it's black label. I, I'll tell you, everything I've done with DC has been a dream. Peacemaker is a thousand percent of my wheelhouse character for DC. He's kind of a big dummy. He's trying very hard. He's kind of he's trying to overcome himself. <laughs> It's very funny. It's very bombastic. It's a spectacle. It'll make you feel something. Like that's a Kyle Starks book, and so it's perfect. It, me and CPU, I mean, it's just perfect casting. And I, and I, I sincere, I, sincere, I say humbly, without hyperbole, I think that book's a classic. I think we made a really good book that should stand up just because the character and the situation's fun and it's interesting and um, it's dramatic in the right ways. Anyway, that's me blowing my horn. But so <laughs> with that book, they like I got to do whatever I wanted to. Hey, can I use this character? And they're like, sure. And I'm like, why did they say yes to that? So like, you know, Snowflame's in there who's a cocaine-powered supervillain. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But it's like, no like one was protecting Red B. And the thing is, I've always said this, and this is true for all this big two stuff, is that my mindset is that while I, I want to tell a story that interests me, if you love that character, I want it to be a really great version of that character for you, right? So yeah. it's like there's it's also trying to find that balance where we're like the most interesting story that I wish existed, but also one that people who love those characters would be like, that was awesome. That's hard. That's really hard, especially when you do it and like you can't do that, you can't do that because Hank Pym's half Ultron now. And I'm like, what? I mean, that is the biggest cop energy that's ever existed. To Peacemaker uh, tries real hard right after these commercial breaks. We do have to take a quick commercial break, but we will be right back with the 10 cent synopsis of that book. We'll talk a little bit more about him working with Stephen Pugh. More Kyle Starks coming up right after these messages. Hi, it's Carlo Calentuan, last comic shop podcast listener and comic book tragic here in the Philippines. Maboy, when I'm in the US, I'm always on the lookout for a good deal on boards, bags, boxes, and all other manner of comic book related supplies. And that's why I love to go to bcwsupplies.com and use the promo code LCSPOD to get 10% off of all my orders. Not only do I get a discount on everything I buy at BCW, but I'm able to support the podcast when I use LCSPOD at checkout. So if you're in need of comic book supplies, head over to bcwsupplies.com and use the promo code LCSPOD. Oh, and guys, I'm still waiting for that trusted review. Come on, when is it? It was supposed to be a day at the beach. 
but for four friends. One wrong road will put them on a direct course to being the main course. Her name is Grandma Hazel, a chainsaw-wielding psychopathic cannibal, a beast of the backwoods with a body count higher than a bowl of blood-spattered scotch mints. From the creators of Pocus Hocus. Grandma, no! Grandma Chainsaw. Evil as a perm. Hello, Rock with more of the last comic shop, and it is now time for our Read Pile Review. Yes! With the actual author of said Read Pile book, which was Peacemaker Tries Hard. It's a six issue miniseries that came out of DC Black Label, which, man, we love Black Label because they just threw. Shit at a wall and be like, whatever you want. We're going with it. Let's do it. But this really, really was a great, great book. And so if you haven't checked it out, make sure that you do so after today's program. But we've got the author, Kyle Starks. He's about to give us the 10 cent synopsis of what happens in these six issues. So, Kyle, I'm sure you had to make an elevator pitch. Go ahead and make these listeners. Here's my pitch. First of all, if you like the show, you're going to love the comic. If you like the thing, you're getting the thing. Why would it be different? I don't know. Comics are weird. Here's the the premise. (laughs) Peacemaker, who is an affable dummy who's terrible at his job, tries real hard and is extra violent, finds a puppy. Its name is Bruce Wayne because it's a fancy little man. <laughs> that fancy little man is then uh, kidnapped from him, and he's blackmailed to do the bidding of some dastardly, also kind of likable villains. And he goes on wonky adventures to sort of try to save his dog, and it's great. There's yeah. like a World War II hero in there who has a bee friend. It's so good. <laughs> I laughed so hard. At the page with him going after the Nazis. Well, I just like I when, when he says that they stole Bruce Wayne. They kidnapped Bruce Wayne. We're sending everybody. With Amanda yes, Waller. Yes, you're going to help yeah. me get my dog back? Man, what? I, love, I love writing Amanda Waller so much as a straight man. Like, it was so <laughs> much fun. And, you know, I'll tell you, that particular page, like, um, we talked about comedy earlier, and I, I, I think doing comedy in comics is, is hard. And I think the secret is to do jokes for everybody. Like, yeah. Do do throw, don't not necessarily don't do puns and side gags, but you know you do some lowbrow stuff, do some highbrow stuff, and I think a lot of the secret is is like also if in a moment you can make yourself laugh, you hope other people sort of laugh too. And that scene, which is literally like a who's on first between Amanda Waller and Peacemaker, <laughs> thinking Bruce Wayne Batman was kidnapped. To me, I was like, this is so funny. I don't think anyone will get it. And people keep saying they like that, which means so much to me because I'm like, that's that's the part for me. Like, this bit's just for me. <laughs> and I hope, of course, and it says something about Steve Pugh also because th- there's a lot of back and forth and you have to sort of, two people on a phone, you know what I mean? You go back and forth on a yeah. phone. But Amanda Waller is like an A-plus straight man for any situation because she's so serious. Yeah. Um, I loved that book from the first time I ever heard Muscle Cake. <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> is that a thing? And if Happy. it is, I'm going to try it. And then later on, like it was, it was perfect. Uh, in fact, that was that was my favorite character was uh, the the cashier. The she cashier lady. Like, yeah, I love her. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, did you have to give the elevator pitch to DC when you were pitching the book, or did they come to you? To no, pitch no, no, the no, idea? no, no. In fact, they didn't even come to me. I there, I retweeted a tweet. I had a question about simply put. When I read this, I honestly thought that they had come to you and said like, hey. We Peacemaker is super popular. We want you to make a license thing. Peacemaker is the license like you would do, I don't know, Rick, or, Rick and Morty or yeah, any other license did. that you were assigned to. We'll yeah, tell yeah. you exactly what to put in it. You write no. it because you're a funny guy. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so here's, here's the Peacemaker origin story in many ways of how it came to be. 
that summer, I think it was the summer, it was a great summer for me because I love big dummies doing big dummy things. You had Peacemaker, you had Reacher. I love the Reacher show so much. So basically, I was watching that show and someone tweeted and they're like, hey, DC, why isn't there a Peacemaker series and why isn't Kyle Starks writing it? I saw that and I thought, I go, oh, I could, I could do that. I could write that book. So I, I reached, by the way, again, this is not how it works. Okay. <laughs> this is not it how is. it works. But it, 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 it worked one time and I got it. I'm sorry. And I retweeted it and I was like, ha, 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 DC, call me. And someone immediately called me. Like, that's not, like, within, like, a couple hours, like, I got a message. We want to do a Peacemaker comic. Do you, would you pitch something for it? And they, I'll tell you the craziest thing is that they were like, well, what do you think it should be like? Like, it was such a weird question because the question was not, can you do the James Gunn character? That was not it. They're like, what do you think Peacemaker should be like? And I said, it should be exactly like the show. Or as close as we can get legally. Because that's why there's no vigilante. That's why there's no eagly in that book. Is because legally we could only do so much, which is another whole weird thing. The likeness, but, though, is so close. Well, and here's the thing. No, that was that was Steve. I so I that was never a decree. He's not every panel. He looks just like John Cena. Yeah, Give yeah, John Cena some some royalties for that. Yeah. So I, I think I'm surprised that at no point did anyone go, Steve, can you do it less? Because he's going to get mad. We don't have likeness rights because uh, they do not. <laughs> You have to go reverse Cesar Romero and give him a mustache or something. This story, which is, it originally wasn't Bruce Wayne. It was a different animal, again, for legal purposes that we could not use at the time. As a MacGuffin, let's be honest, a very cute MacGuffin. Um, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we love it. And we, we, we tried to find an artist. We, Steve Hughes, who we chose, because he's obviously the best choice. So they, start, they don't really say, like, we want all this stuff in it. Like, so all that stuff, like Red Bee... Snowflame, which is the dumbest thing. Uh, I didn't think they'd let me be use Brandon Mala. Like well, I love Brandon Mala thing. so much. That um, was another Destro. reason why I thought they gave you a, a a list, right? Like they were like, "Here, Kyle, you put this stuff," in, and then they said you have to use uh, Monsieur nope. Mala because like everyone nope. loves funky gorillas and they're nope. hilarious. We want to see them in the car, rocking out. Funky. They're rocking out to a John Constantine song. It's a re- his band. It's John Constantine's punk band and we originally had like because there's bad lyrics and they're like can we put can you write some different lyrics he's like i'm a little trickster man <laughs> and so it's like this john constantine song and they're really it's like super corny lyrics for like if you're john constantine writing a song but the number of people who apparently love like john constantine's fake band they're like i love that you put it in there and i'm like that's cool that's so funny because that's what you want you want people to be like is that john constantine's band that he put in there well that's i was curious too like there's so many esoteric things like the the demolition crew were those previous characters or did you yes, bring those to the they're table? Green Lantern villains and so I'll tell you so Marvel Handbook was probably my favorite comic like that <laughs> and then like X Men but I probably read those Marvel Handbooks over and over and over and the same was for DC Who's Who DC Who's Who though because like, I wasn't a DC guy was like a fever dream Kit, they have the so Kit, many crazy ideas out there crazy and like the Kimo in Who's Who is drawn by Mike Mignola which is insane anyway so he looks like different than everybody else is crazy so demolition crew I saw in DC Who's Who and they're one of those things. That has like stuck with me. And so this situation was also that what's the bit? You know what I mean? Like they had to have henchmen and my dad was a union guy. Like I worked for a union shop for five years. If you know what I mean? It's funny stuff. But um, there's a lot of I mean, Snowflame's another one. Like, you know, I'm doing more and more DC stuff. So like I have like the 400 pound DC <laughs> who's who omnibus over there. And you because like I don't know guys like I General Mortis not wanting to destroy his McShoney's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, there's a lot of like a lot of guys who just look cool who you don't think about. Like, would you like to do like a Mr. Mind? Kind of like, yes. Is it a worm with a radio necklace? Please. You know what I mean? Like, 
what is this guy? Let me do it. Like Mr. Adam, who's a Shazam character, and who DZ Husu is like for whatever reason, just like exactly my he's got like a bullet head. He looks like Right, he, yeah, he's I, enormous. Like all the Shazam villains are the best. Yeah. I back really all those guys. There's one that's a crocodile, I think, with a banjo. I don't yes. I think I'm confusing two. I think I'm putting two together. Who cares? Who cares? That's what I like. I like it when it's a superhero comic that has character stuff that isn't the book and comedy stuff that isn't the book, right? It's just flavor. It just makes things denser and stronger and better. And because of that, it's like I my things are funny, whether I try or not. I hate I think we're talking about I hate this play later, but that was my serious book. It was nominated for Best Humor Publication. You know what I mean? There's right. something about me that it's always going to be a little funny, I think, because when I make a character charming, that's what I think is charming. <laughs> the the superhero stuff has like it seems like it has less space for that. Like there's less character stuff. Because the issues are getting smaller and you know, you want to see the dramatic spectacle. But I'm like, man, I kind of only care about that. <laughs> the X-Men were playing baseball every five issues, and I love that. X-Men, yeah. so it was a lot of like, I kind of have a crush on so-and-so, and it nothing ever I love that. And like to me, that's what's really interesting. And I love Mark Grunewald. I'm really soft on Mark Grunewald. And there's a bit in his Captain America run, which is Cap's gone. He quit because he was mad. I can't remember why. And it's Nomad Falcon and D-Man flying on D-Man's private jet. That's neither here nor there. That's a different conversation. But they're looking for Captain America. And it's kind of like Nomad hates D-Man because he's such a he's such like an enthusiastic doofus. Like Nomad's such a dick. He's got Diamond back with him, who's like this weird, like, she's with Nomad, but obviously kind of hates him. It's this great like character stuff <laughs> as they do this great story. It's like, and then they fight the Serpent Society. You know what I mean? And it's like, I love that. And that's the kind of stories that really interest me. And finding that balance, like I think Peacemaker does it very well. Because you still get the little stuff, like how the Suicide Squad hates him because of this one thing. He loves to show his porn collection. Um, <laughs> I, and it's all VHS. It's all VHS. And magazines. <laughs> wet magazines. By the way, I wrote, there's a, I, I, I did write a, a porn scene in the last page. Whenever you see... Uh, yes! Oh, yeah. Not Deathstroke, Dance Stroke. And, but yeah, I love minor characters. And again, not just because there's that sort of James Gunny and like, if you change Javelin, no one cares, which is true. If you change Fall, our Fall Off Boy, no one cares. That's 100% true. I mean, maybe one person's like, I really like, you know, everything's somebody's favorite, but those are minor characters. So, like, when I brought Red B in, no one cares. You know what I mean? Like, I could do right. whatever I wanted to, but I think I did Red B 50 years later, right? I think that's who I made. And so it's like trying to be true to that character, but trying to also do the things that make them seem real and someone it's, it's immersive in that way. So I got to use those guys. I got to use those guys. I'm a big Morrison Doom Patrol guy, so there's no way I'm not using Brandon Moll. There's no way. And here's the thing I thought, honestly, I was like, if they don't ask me to do anything else, like this is my one shot to do a lot of these things. Yeah. And so you go. You go, if I'm only writing one major DC supervillain, I want to be Mala in the brain. That That's the guys I want to write. Right. Throw them in your cart. It's fine. Now, you know, you're into comic books. In your quiet moments, do you ever uh, close your eyes and dream of Peacemaker Season 2 where they're making Beanie Weenie and Fancy Man jokes about Bruce Wayne or... For the TV show? Yeah. Listen, I did Rick and Morty for five years, and they're not touching any of those. Like, there was... One, they'd have to pay me, and no one wants no one wants to do that. I don't know why, but... I also say James Gunn and whomever the writing team, they're way better than me and it'll be great. Um, and also they're clearly leaning into, we talked about, we mentioned that Peacemaker miniseries, which was the, sort of the, the, the main conceit was his, everyone he ever killed lived, was alive in his head. Like they were haunting his mind and his dad was one of those people. And they're clearly using that. And, you know, I, I was like, you don't want to do anything they're going to do 
that makes it feel like it's not the thing. So like we did a little bit backstory with his dad. Like his dad never appears. So like right. is his dad that weird dragon? I don't know. In my were in in my black it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm I will say I'm Black Label wants everything to sort of be one thing, and I love that. I'm kind of surprised no one's been like, hey, do you want to do another one? It hasn't happened yet. So oh, you were like, you gotta oh, get that be? tweet out. Call me DC. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm doing I'm doing other very cool things with DC. They're being very kind to me. Wild Dog is a perfect example of a character that I love to have the opportunity to play with. Like they could have said no. They were like, who do you want to do? And I gave them a list of like three guys. And none of them were good. None of them they should have said yes to. <laughs> they should have said no to all of them. And they said yes to Wild Dog. And like literally the first thing I did as an adult was I did a Wild Dog fan comic. In fact, I had like two, maybe 75 Twitter followers. And, so, and I was like, hey, if I get 250 followers, I'll do a Wild Dog fan comic. And Tom Spurgeon, again, RIP, I don't know why he was following me. I think he's a big Wild Dog fan, or he was. He retweeted, I had 250 followers in an hour, and I thought it would take like two weeks. So I was like, I was like man, I got to figure this out quick. So like, kind of like my first comic outside of Ricky Thunder was kind of a Wild Dog comic. So to do this sort of full circle, it's unbelievable. Like the way things sort of cycle around when you're just, just doing your best and I'm learning a lot about big two stuff and how they work and probably the best way to sort of navigate them. Maybe at some point that's what you do. Maybe you go, listen, I've got, I've got a Colossus story. You know what I mean? Like, I gotta say, <laughs> Give it time. You'll have time King status in no time. I'm sure you can put that work like Peacemaker and yeah, Richard Wild Dog right. and the stuff. For sure. Doing. Let's talk about some of that other work right after these commercial breaks. So we'll be back right after this with more Kyle Starks talking about, I hate this place as well as some future projects that he might have. Stay tuned. You know what I think? This world we're in right now is the fairy tale. And what's really real is on the other side. Ramsey, mechanic by day, aspiring comic book creator by night, went into the woods and tripped. He was bombarded by bizarre and mysterious glyphs that he drew into his sketch pad and onto the body of his muse, Regina. Oh, Groovy, your art is crawling all over me. Shit, what is going on with you? What's going on with you? All of a sudden, you're a complete drip, baby. Maybe you need another limb to the head. Bloom, written and created by Ted Sikora, with art by Butch Mappa. Uh, how, how, how are you feeling, Ram Man? You've never experienced a story so astonishing, astonishing. so far out and away from the beaten, from path. The beaten path. Where in the f*** am, am I? Blast off Blast with Blue, the, the origin of a prophet. Order yours at HeroTomorrow.com. All right, back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and we're still talking with Kyle Starks. We're having a wonderful time. I hope that you uh, all will go out there and get that Peacemaker comic book. But if you're interested in other stuff that he's doing, especially some of his creator-owned stuff, we're going to spend the last segment talking about that. We're going to start off with a book that we really loved. It was one of the major reasons we wanted to bring him on today's program. And that is I Hate This Place. I hate it. Eisner nominated I Hate This Place. Right. But it's also called in other circles, there's like a – there's another way that you can, and you might as well say it. We'll bleep it out, but go ahead. What's it also called? We originally pitched that book as this place. <laughs> now, when it comes to like the indicia and that kind, of, do you have to like register that as like two separate books? Or I don't. I actually don't know. I think it's probably just I hate this place because I think Skyman was just like this place is just like the B cover. You know what I mean? Right. Um, 
In fact, I'll tell you real quick, you know, that's what I pitched the book as because if I was in a horror movie, if I was in these poor girl situations, what would I say? And I would right. be like, this place. Absolutely. So I, I pushed for that. And there was a window where Skybound was like, we want a different title. And I think I gave them like 300 titles and I didn't like any of them. At one point, <laughs> Kirkman was like, just send me six that you like. Like, break it down to six. And I'm like, I don't like any of them. I'm like, this place is the best title. And uh, they're like, all right, we got your back. We're going to it. So they they sent it up one step. And immediately we got an email from Eric Stevenson that was like, retailers take this. <laughs> and we're like, oh, let's change it then. Wouldn't change it immediately. Why are we? But I, I'll tell you, I was I was literally I was like, this is the best title. That that word isn't bad. Like, it's everywhere. There's shows on Netflix within it. Like, you can yeah. say it. No, who cares? And I'm like, yeah, who cares? <laughs> but then I like, guess the moment they were like, retailers don't love this. And it wasn't just the profanity. It's that they were doing it like also like F asterisk CK. Oh, right. like, yeah. uh, asterisk? Is it F U? How am I supposed to put this in the catalog? <laughs> I get it. But I'll tell you, like the moment they said the retailers don't like this, I immediately acquiesced. And I'll tell you why. Because I never thought about the book being on a shelf as like a four-year-old walk by. You know what I mean? And like yeah. my kids, my kids are 13 and 15. And my wife, almost every year, she's like, when are you going to make something the girls can read? And I was like, well, when they're 18, they'll have so much to read. <laughs> so much, I'll have so much for them to read. And Drop off a stuff, box. I don't think my stuff is, like, even especially bad. But it's like, there's a lot of profanity and there's a lot of violence in it. And there's some sex jokes that aren't even bad. But it's like, ah, listen, there, there's there's young minds out there. And I am i don't think I'm a prude. But I was also like, yeah, it's going to be on shelves. Like, I didn't even think about. I, I think it's, it's, it's the perfect title. If they make a movie of it, please call it that. But for the sake of a store shelf, I was like, that's fine. Yeah. And so they're like, hey, what if we did it as a B cover? I'm like, let's go. <laughs> I was going to say, it can still be PG-13 as long as you only use it once. As long as you only say it once, but that's not what happens. I say it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's my favorite word. So give us the 10 cent synopsis for this book. What happens in I Hate This Place? Yeah, 10 cent synopsis of I Hate This Place is um, this happily married couple, Gabby and Trudy, inherit a ranch. It is the worst place on earth. It has ghosts. It has monsters. It has murder ghosts. Did I say that? I don't know. There's <laughs> monsters. There's murder ghosts. There's a stark entity. There's monsters. Um, there's, there's Collection, murder ghosts, ghost, facts ben. of life on, yeah. on DHS. That, yeah, there's that's a panic awful. It's it's um it's the worst place on earth to be and they're stuck there they can't leave without it sort of following them and so i mean the 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 premise is basically it's every poor genres in one um which is why i loved it but the greater thing which is is sort of something that i i do over and over is how how far will you go for the person you love like it, i think like, oh people are like Ooh, what's your favorite scary thing like i'm gonna be like oh you know what i like it when there's like a vampire ghost because it's got blood-sucking ghost powers but like i don't care about like that doesn't scare me if life was a horror movie i would die first because i'm the one who's gonna open the back door and go look there's nothing out there like that's me <laughs> i'm not scared of that but you know what i am scared of i'm scared of putting my wife in a situation where she's in danger because of what i did the one of the two leads is a survivalist she spent her whole life preparing for the worst things that could happen there's no water i know what to do if there's no government i know what to do if there's no electricity i know what to do well what if there was poltergeist murder monsters that's not on the list in a in an era where i fixed my washing machine with a youtube video to be so helpless like that's what scares me and so i'm exploring those things but at the same time having the great fun of oh by the way there's some sort of giant spider thing in the woods that's trying to eat everyone i'm really proud of that book i love gabby and trudy i love just a happy couple i think it's underrepresented in media just happily married people who adore each other i think those are the best people to be around like it's a miracle for two for two souls to sort of nestle within each other like into the cracks of each other also they're constantly in t- terrible danger and it escalates in a way that's insane i really love the book art Toplin. um 
it's his first book in many ways, and he did a great job drawing it. Uh, I love it. Eisner nominated best humor publication. It's the scariest, most serious thing I've ever written. You you mentioned the the spider monster and some of the different monsters. How did those creature designs come? Because that was what struck me is how refreshingly yeah. original a lot of these yeah. monsters were. It wasn't just your classic you know ghost tropes. And you had said before that you do like tropes. I love tropes. I honestly, again, like it's me trying to figure out the collaboration is, is letting an artist cook. And those are Artyom's designs. Did I write giant spider monster with tentacle slicers? Yes. And he has, he has story beats to work from, but those were all his designs. Um, the help spiders were his design. Pure artists are going to be better at designing things than I am. One, because it doesn't matter that much to me. I will say like Rinda is a hitman who's looking for money that was buried on the, on the ranch. He's going to kill everyone, of course, because he's the, He's, humans are worse than monsters. I, like I was like, he looks like this, but it's like it's not that important that he looks like that. Like there's no real value, you know what I mean? So a lot of that, like, like the scars on his face, like that's yes. Artyom. They're great scars. They're great scars. That's Artyom. And like I maybe was like, it could look like a lady scratched him at some point, but I don't know if they're crazy. Like he did such a good job. Again, I've been so lucky with my artist, man. And Artyom was another one, especially considering that his first book. The things that were important in that book were the monsters are scary and the acting between these characters feels real. And he nailed that. He did little things. Uh, Gabby has a shirt on that's that says, like, eat dirt and has a possum on it. And like, <laughs> he just drew that. And you can buy that shirt, too. You can buy it on their store. But Artyom just drew that shirt. And the thing is, like, it's perfect. And I, and I know I was like, hey, she's kind of, you know, she's kind of a girly girl. Um, and she's kind of fashion conscious. But she is, they're in the middle of nowhere. Like, there's no one to impress. And you can see how he, he does that with her. I never had to go in there and be like, she should wear this or she, he, like he got it. And like, that's, mm-hmm. that's all you want. So I think finding where people's strengths are um, is a part of collaboration that like, that's kind of the easiest part is to be like, Oh, you're really good drawing robots. Let's put a bunch of robots in here. But um, those are really good monsters. They're really scary. The horn man is great. Now I will tell you the horn man, we went through a lot of iterations at one point in time. <laughs> I asked Chris Schweitzer, who's my best friend to, he's like, do you, what would you do? And so we did send some, so they're not Chris Schweitzer's designs by any means. But there's a clear influence. Um, Chris Schweitzer, I think, had like exposed penis. He's like, that'd be scary, right? And I'm like, no. <laughs> yes, it'd be real. It's just, scary, terrifying. Just that guy standing in the woods, like ah. Yeah. Like, mm, mm, mm. Uh, we, I remember they're like when we were looking at artists. Um, the editor, we had a really tough time finding artists for the book, and he's like, what do you think about this guy? And he sent me a picture, uh, Artyom Drew of, of Venom, and it was so gross, but cool you know what i mean like it's exactly that balance of like it looks unique but it's yeah. scary and we're like no, this is our yeah. guy yeah like this is the guy but it looks different it's like you've never seen it before I mean, because you, you listen if you go to a monster book you want guy davis to do it right like i mean that's the best you could get so you're hoping for anything sort of in the spectrum of the guy davis and i think argument is there honestly to be able to do big big spooky stuff and then just people sitting in a chair talking to be able to do both is like i think the sign of a really strong cartoonist and he brings such like an individual flair for each of the characters. Like you know who everybody is, and like it, it goes back to that tropey thing. Like you know who these characters are. When you bring in that ghost hunter guy, like you know who <laughs> Dante that guy Howitzer. Is. Yes, <laughs> love Dante Howitzer. <laughs> Your names are just some of the best names. But Dante is like, why you want a cool name that's ridiculous? That's it, right? Dante Howitzer, <laughs> professional ghost hunter. <laughs> also, it sounds like if you had a, if you were going to make up a name. It sounds like on the spot. He probably did, yeah, because he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start making a TV show. I need a cool name. It's like, okay, Silberry. What will it be? Synonyms for hell, Dante. There you go. What's a cool gun? 
um, machete. That's not even a gun at all. Reference gun, Dante. Yeah. I yeah. just love how like excited Dante he gets, too. He's like, this is my Jurassic Park. I'm doing this for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was great. I, really think, I, I don't know if you guys ever watch a, a ghost hunt. I'm obsessed with mountain monsters right now. I'm obsessed with it. But you think, like, if you were these these guys, and I, I think some of them are very sincere. I think they're ones that are like, this is entertainment. There's ones that are, so, but if imagine like this is you and you're like, no, ghosts are real. Like I have this radio, I have this weird beeping light thing. It tells me they're real. And then if you saw a thousand murder ghosts, it's it's such confirmation. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, yeah. and I think like to me, like, I wrote that line and it is funny, but like that's sincere. That's his Jurassic Park moment. That's his look, there's Brontosaurus. Like everything, <laughs> everything you believed that people mocked you for you know, is real. And so what do you do? And he's like, I've been thinking about this for a long time. <laughs> and he did, he does have what is arguably one of the grossest scenes in all of the movie. When he gets attacked by that spider and he has that giant the goil or whatever blister thing <laughs> growing out of his neck. I was like, how, how is he alive? Like it's like a barely. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you that anyone who, who does horror well, is you write what scares you, right? I mean, like, I hate body horror. I hate body horror. And so, like, I had to put it in there. I hate bugs and I hate body horror. Like, you can see that and I hate this place. Like, I hate the They creep me out. So you, that's what you put in there. Like, if, if, because it's just like comedy. It, sometimes you go, this makes me laugh. And I'm going to put it in there. And horror is the same way. You go, I'm terrified of this. Put it in there. Someone else is scared of it too, right? And oh. That's just how you tell a good story is that you sort of expose. That's refreshing. That. that is refreshing to hear. Because that's, that's honestly, that's the way I look at it, too. If something's funny to you, if something scares you, if something, that it comes from a place inside. It's a wellspring. Yeah. You share it with those folks. I mean, that, yeah. I, I get it. There's a bit in, in the it, first issue of Where Monsters Lie where this old lady, this old lady pops someone's eye out with a needle. And I hate it so much. I just, it creeps me out so bad. And when we got that page from Kowalski, I'm like, oh, my God, like, this is. <laughs> so messed up like peter took the next step i wrote that it's in the yeah. script i forgot about it i wrote she pokes his eye. i forgot all about it like why would i write that knowing how awful it is and it's like i simultaneously creepy. love this and don't want to ever see it again yeah. just <laughs> yeah that's and that's that's what you do you put your you, you put your own fears out there as much as you can because the whole thing is like the more the people can sympathize with the character the more immersive it is and the more immersive it is the more you will feel something if that's if that's fear if that's joy and those are that's important that's important things awesome. now one knows my secrets all the <laughs> that of work everybody we have the secrets so well, now that we know the secrets let's talk a little bit about uh, some upcoming secrets you're gonna spill yeah so you have projects all over the place irons in the fire um, yeah i'm and, trying to uh, think what's been announced <laughs> that i can talk about well Pine and Merrimack just hit shelves last week. Do you want to tell uh, folks what's going on there? Why should they go back and see if we can still get some issues or make your shop reorder it? Pine and Merrimack's my newest book from Boom Studios. I'm I'm right now writing five books. One's been announced, and I have a pitch for a major thing. I'm the busiest I've ever been. So we're Pine and Merrimack, which amazingly came out last week, um, is so good. Everyone loved it. With the artist Fran Galan. Fran Galan did my Creep Show story, the Eisner nominated, and he did such a good job. We we're like, we have to work together again. Pine and Merrimack is about a happily married couple who opened a detective agency. She's an ex-homicide detective who found she could not physically stand being around murder. So she went home to just open a cozy detective agency. Her husband is an ex-MMA fighter, and they just love each other like crazy. They're just crazy, and they're just doing little – they're only doing little cozy – because she can't stand murder. 
not going to happen. And they basically pull the string they shouldn't have pulled, and they take a case that they shouldn't have taken. And it's a each issue is an escalation. So the first issue basically is there's this missing girl, and the second issue it gets worse, and the third issue it gets worse. So it keeps getting bigger and bigger and worse and worse. In many ways, it's the spiritual follow-up to I Hate This Place, because um, Boom was like, we love I Hate This Place, what do you have? And I'm like, I have this story that's about a happily married couple in terrible danger, because I love, like I said, I love being around people who love each other, who are charming and fun, and if one of them can just, like, murder you with punches, I like them so much better. Um, <laughs> and that's what that's what Pine and Merrimack is. It's a small, weird little town, so there's goofy characters, and it's just, it's fun, it's sweet. And Fran Gallant, I, I can't say this enough, Fran Gallant's art, so it's, it's even if you're like, I don't really care about fun books, which is a problem. <laughs> you need to look in the mirror. Um, I, don't, I hate fun. Yeah, don't do you that. don't like Have, fun. Yeah, comics should be fun, guys. a miserable guys. person. Fran, Fran's art is unbelievably good it doesn't look like anything you've ever seen before it's so emotive he p- basically paints it like at one point i wrote like a here's like a six panel sort of flashback introduction to the character and he made it into a montage right and i would never write for an artist to do a montage because i can't see it and i'm a cartoonist so i see these things visually i'm still thumbnailing like a magic thing about collaboration is he's like i'm gonna make it a montage and it's amazing like it's an amazing two pages of montage and i really feel like this is the book where I'm like, oh, someone with some huge name just stole my artist from me. So I think it's going to be Fran. He <laughs> comes stolen away. And it's like, that's fine. Good. He deserves all the money. He's super great. Um, for that. I'm really stoked about it. I think if people like I Hate This Place, Boom did a really great job, which I love when a publisher does a really great job sort of helping me promote something where they're like, it's very it's very much like uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. It's very much like Twin Peaks. It's like sort of a slow burn, worsening situation. And I think those are really apt. Because there's not explosions in the early issues, right? Like, it's it, it's going to be a little cozy detective story that gets awful. <laughs> Find it, Merrimack. And then explosions? I don't think the there are any explosions, but there are emotional explosions. Well, that's fine. <laughs> there's worse, there's sometimes worse explosions. Sometimes more brutal. I'm, I, it's a really good story. It's one I've been sitting on for a while, and um, I'm excited to do it. The, it's like you have plots that are you're like, this is an interesting plot. But make what makes you want to live in that plot and and figuring out these two characters, uh, Lenny and Parker Kent, was sort of the linchpin of that. Of course, it's out. You guys read it. You thought it was great. It's been out. Uh, for, wonderful. Uh, Absolutely. It was, um, it was a good read. We're already, I'm already seeing pages for issue two. I think they're great. He does this. He changes his coloring. Like he should be nominated for best colorist. And people hate that because he drew it. I know. Sorry, guys. But <laughs> his, color, his coloring is unbelievable. He does things. Um, Chris Weitzer did it in Six Sidekicks, and he does it with everything where you do scene to scene coloring and you do emotion to emotion coloring where the palette changes. And that's a, that's a different level of coloring things. And Fran does that. And geez, even if you don't care about that, like look at Fran's art, it's unbelievable. It's so good. Like it's so good. There you go. Um, now, I, I will say too, one of my favorite parts about, I hate, I hate this place was in the back. You would get your one page uh, where you'd let your cartooning fly. Yeah. Uh, any chances of that popping up in Pine and Merrimack? I don't think so. Uh, I bet if you, if hey, but listen, if you were wanting that Stark's art fix, if you were like, I need this itch. Heck yeah! I have yeah. a book from First Second coming out called Karate Prom, and it is exactly what it sounds like. It's a high school kung fu romance. Um, basically, <laughs> awesome. it's everything I've done to date without the curse word. So it's finally something that my daughter's gonna read. I'm really proud of it. Chris Weitzer colored it again. It's actually something I did over the pandemic. I like everyone. It was bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I was incredibly unhappy, and I, I I became fixated on how there wasn't going to be a free comic book day, and how important that emotionally I felt like it was to us, not creators, but like I think it's, 
fans of the media, there's something celebratory about that day that's so yeah. rejuvenating, right? And it, I, it's, for some reason, it really bothered me. So I was like, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do a digital comic and give it away. And I had ten days before, and what was supposed to just be a nothing, like it just here's a free little ten pager, ended up being like 36 pages I did in ten days, which is a un is not a good schedule, but I, <laughs> I, I love, like I said, I love doing that. So I was like, all, I was so pigeonholed. And after I did that and I gave it away, I did pay what you want, um, which I've done twice. And I wish I could do more, but I'm getting, I just can't anymore. The other one, Louise Sprouse, which was the next year's free comic book day is on my gum road. So you can actually get that for free. Kyle Stark's gum road or give me a dollar. Who cares? I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I did this, I did this, I did this 30 something page story and it just made me happy. You know what I mean? In a time where right? there's nothing for, like, I didn't, as a cartoonist who's self-employed, I did not leave my house for a year. You know, I did not leave my house for a year. Um, but I did this, I did these characters, these Kung Fu prom characters, and I love them. So I secretly did another part, 48 pages. And then I did another part secretly, 48 pages. I was like, I'll do something with it. Um, and we ended up selling it. I think it's a really great book. You know what? It's like, like we had just said, I think comics should be fun. And I think it's a really just sincerely fun comic. I think you'll like the characters. I think they're fun. I think the situations are fun. Uh, there's a guy named Punch Man in it. Um, <laughs> uh, it's really good. So that comes out June from first second, and it's a YA book. But who gives? Trust me, it's Kyle Stark's book. Listen, uh, it's Kyle nice. Stark's. Nice. <laughs> it's got All everything. Subversion just without the curse words. Yeah, there's just less curse words. There's no. There's almost no penis jokes. I think there's no penis. Jokes. <laughs> almost. <laughs> I think I think there's none. I'm pretty sure there's. None. I'll be snagging that book for our panel pals that listen to the last comic shop for sure. Kyle, thank you so much for taking some time. Yeah, thanks for having talk me. Talk with us here at the last comic shop, real quickly. Where can everybody find you on like the socials and the websness and all that jazz? Yeah, yeah. I'm at the Kyle Starks everywhere. Uh, I have a web store that's KyleStarks.com. I have a Patreon that's the Kyle Starks. You, the Kyle Starks. Or just here's the, here's the best way to find me. Listen, you go to your comic shop, you walk up to the guy at the counter, and you're like, "What do you have?" This Kyle Starks, and then you buy all of it. Just buy. Uh, like, we only have six issues of Old Ed. Buy all six of them. All right. <laughs> now you have six presents. You have five presents. In fact, probably four. You want to keep two for yourself. Um, no, the, the Kyle Starks. But uh, you know, buy my books too. We love that. There is no marketing. Comics are word of mouth. I'm not making stories for the void. I'm not wasting my time making stories that I don't think should be consumed, right? Um, and so having guys like you who are willing to bring me on and let me talk, who I know have spoke about my work in the past, like it's so meaningful. And so if you know you get five people to read it and they like it, they're going to tell five people, right? Um, and so we, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so grateful uh, for you guys and for your audience. So I appreciate that a lot. And so there you go. You got your mission statement, kids. You got to go out there and tell five people. And they can That's tell right. Five people, tell, five tell five people about Peacemaker. Tell five people about I Hate This Place. Tell another five people about Rock Candy Mountain. Tell another five people about Old Head. And Just Pine and Mary them. Mac and uh, Karate Prom and all the other kind of more Starks And does. more things are to be announced. I'm working on I'm so many I'm looking forward to right Karate now, Prom. So. When you said Karate Prom, I instantly thought of the, yeah. that scene from Karate Kid. <laughs> To be yeah. honest, there's there is definitely I mean there's uh, it's a it's a high school karate thing. There's definitely like yeah. karate kid vibes. So very cool. All right, Kyle. Well, we hope you stop by at the last comic shop again. Until yeah, then, grab me for yeah. sure. Take it easy, sir. That's Kyle Starks, and we hope that you check out all of his wonderful books out there. The last comic shop definitely approves of everything that he just said. Yes. <laughs> 
Uh, so make sure that you're checking out uh, The Last Comic Shop always over at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. You can rate, review, and subscribe. And who knows, we might be covering another Kyle Stark's uh, book in future. So if you liked our interview, it's a reason why you should subscribe. There you go. But we have run long, so let's get to the speedy ending. Merch is at the merch store. What's our special today, J.A.? Uh, T-shirts. Excellent. Recommendations? <laughs> Anything with Kyle Stark's name on it. It's all good stuff. Peacemaker tries hard. It's real good. Kind of Merrimack just hit shelves last week. All that's out there. Check it out. Uh, anyone else that we forget? Support your comic I don't show. think anything. Until next week, I was the host of the most. Andy Larson is joined by Chad Smith, J.A. Scott, and we hope that you stay safe, stay warm, and remember, if somebody comes into your house and steals all your fruit, don't worry. It's just going to leave you peachless. What if you didn't have peaches to begin with? <laughs> That's what if you're a big fan of the uh, president of the United States of America? Yes. Dude, did you know that the lead singer turned into like a children's songwriter? His name's Casper Baby Pants, wrote Stompy the Bear. Google that right now if you've never heard Stompy the Bear. It is awesome. The last comic shop podcast was a 2024 Black Angus production.